welcome to Healthcare Unfiltered. I'm your host, Shadi Nabhan. I'm a hematologist and a medical oncologist, and I have interest in all aspects of healthcare delivery, treatment, leadership, mentorship, and policy. Today, I have the honor and privilege of hosting Dr. Christina Arnold, who I have yet to meet in person, but I've met her through social media. And what intrigued me about Christina is I've known her as a pathologist, and I've been following her on social media as a pathologist, but I read a, a tweet of hers that she is shifting careers and she is becoming a life coach. I was literally blown away by that. I was intrigued. I was inspired that a physician decides to shift career into something completely different. When we talk about career transitions as physicians, usually a physician is shifting from academic practice to community practice, from community practice to academic practice, leaving practice completely to join industry, whether it's pharmaceutical company or something else, and so on. It is rather rare for a physician to, uh, again, leave uh, the medical profession completely and do something such as life coaching. So I've invited Dr. Arnold on the show. First of all, I wanted to know what in the world is life coaching? What does it actually take to become a life coach? What does a life coach do? And, and why? Why did she decide to do that? What inspires her to do that? And how does real life look like as a life coach? I really think you are going to find this episode very inspiring. Christina is amazing. And she is calm, cool, collected. And literally, you are going to be inspired by that story. And if you are feeling a burnout, you are going to start following her podcast, The Path in Focus, and probably you may become her client very soon. So get there. All right. Before I aired the episode, I ate with I aired with Dr. Uh, Christina Arnold on the show. I'd like you. I'd like to thank you for supporting the program, for supporting the show. I'd like to thank you for subscribing it, for subscribing to it, for liking it, for writing any brief review that you can when you have time. It means a lot to me. And this support is never taken for granted. I always try to find content that is appealing to you, a content that is intriguing, and a content that hopefully will keep you coming back for more. You can watch all of these episodes on my Healthcare Unfiltered YouTube channel. You can also direct message me on Twitter at Shadi Nabhan or Instagram at Shadi underscore Healthcare Unfiltered. Don't forget to visit my website, www.shadinabhan.com. Without further ado, Dr. Christina Arnold on Healthcare Unfiltered. Well, I'm super excited today because I have Dr. Christina Arnold with me on the uh, podcast, and I have followed Christina uh, on social media, and uh, I've gotten to know a little bit about her just by simply uh, how Twitter really works and how social media works. And we have promised each other that at some point in the next 12 months, we are going to meet in person. Christina, welcome to the Healthcare Unfiltered podcast. I'm really very grateful that you took time to, to join me today. I promise you that uh, a lot of listeners will be very grateful as well for your time. 
Well, um, thank you, Shadi. Thank you for inviting me. I follow your podcast as well. And I'm always just so struck by the energy and enthusiasm and attention you give to these topics. So thank you for including me in your lineup. Oh, it's, it's, it's an honor and a privilege. Um, and, and really the, the over the theme of today's podcast is about career change, but not the normal career change. I would say the bold, innovative, out-of-the-box career change because physicians, when they change careers in general, right? I mean, let's just face it, they either go to industry, so you leave an actual practice, academic practice, and you go to industry, or you change the scope. You were in academia, you go to private practice, private practice, you go to academia, you go to solo practice, and so on, You whatever. I mean, this is really, in general, what we talk about. But we're going to talk about something completely different here. I'm going to keep the suspense going for the listeners. But let's start by getting to know you a little bit. Tell us a little bit about you, who you are, and and just a little bit about the trajectory, the, the medical, medical career that you've had. Sure. So I am a GI pathologist full-time in the moment right now in Denver, Colorado. And I went through all the usual training to get to get to this spot. During the pandemic, my project was I became a certified life coach, professional coach, and I loved it so much. It changed my life in so many powerful ways. I became master certified. And now I'm looking forward to June one transition from my full-time GI pathology job to a full-time professional coach. So from a GI pathology perspective, before we get into the life coach thing, what got you into pathology? What got you into GI pathology? And and how long have you done this for? Has it always been in Denver? A little bit on that. Sure. So I trained at UT Southwestern in Dallas, Texas. So I went to medical school there and I chose pathology. I didn't go to med school trying to do pathology. I don't think many people do in my generation. I think it's, it's happening more in the younger generation, but I, I wrote to, I wrote, arrived at medical school thinking, I'm going to do family practice I'm from a very small town in Texas. I want to go back to the small town lifestyle. And I, when I went into my family practice clinicals, it wasn't as I thought it would be. I thought medicine was, we would sit around talking about interesting disease processes and the latest papers. And there would be a lot of discussion and getting to know our patients and generations of patients in pathology. It actually was that there was a lot of discussion and learning and curiosity driven questions about what we're seeing under the microscope and at a pace and tempo. That was actually what I thought medicine would be like. And I had amazing mentors at that time. Pathology was a whole year long course. So you really understood what pathology was by the end of that course. And they were just the pathologists were the best teachers. I thought, in my opinion, they were just the most interesting to me. It was so visual. It felt like I was going to a museum every day to look at these slides. I had no idea what they meant. And I got nauseous at the scope. (laughs) But I didn't tell anyone because I thought if they know I'm nauseous in the microscope, no one is going to let me get into this field. So I kept that as my little secret. And I just was like, I will figure this out along the way. Okay. So, you know, I actually taped an episode on uh, pathology specifically. I interviewed Dr. Sanam Lagavi from MD Anderson because there's so much ambiguity uh, about the pathology for trainees. I don't think in medical school, honestly, people get enough training into it. 
So, um, and, and, and when it comes to your current setup, are you uh, in an academic uh, practice, university? Uh, um, what, what's Correct, the- Yes, I'm in a university practice and I sign out GI pathology exclusively. Got it. So you're going around your life seeing slides and, and trying to control the nausea when you see the slides. Um, then the pandemic hit. And we're all been affected in the pandemic in to a varying degrees. Obviously, some were affected more than others, unfortunately, and we know the travesty of what happened. But you, in your introduction, you alluded to the fact that when the pandemic happened, you've decided you want to do something else. What, what happened exactly that made you, it's not like, you know, you've been thinking about this before the pandemic or have you, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Not really. No, I thought, yeah. So, so I think I was always a mentor. I always sought out mentoring and take and helping take care of other people since I was in med school. I just really liked being in that role and that continued in residency. And when I took a faculty position, I formed a mentoring program for faculty. So I've always been looking out for how can I help people feel better in their life? In my first job, I was in my first job for eight years. Towards the end, I think I was for sure burnt out, if not depressed. And when I came to Denver, my second job, I was looking for a therapist and I could not find one that I liked. I've been in therapy for 30 years. I really enjoy the benefits of it. I couldn't find the right fit. So I was just kind of desperate to feel better and take care of my mental health. And coaching is what kept popping up on my Facebook feeds. <laughs> So I, and I had been listening to Brooke Castillo, the life coach school for years, but my mind was like, oh, definitely not life coaching. That sounds really woo woo. And that sounds terrible. And I just was not interested. I just kept pushing it away. But when I was very desperate to have mental health care in the way that felt good to me, it was an option that was easily accessible. And so I pursued it first as a client. I just wanted to feel better myself. And I had such transformational results. Like the very first coaching session, I started feeling better. Huge changes in my life happened over just two months. And at some point I was like, oh, I don't just want to be a client. I want to also learn how to do this. I want to be someone who can help people in this very fundamental, powerful way. So that's when I became, I went to his training to become a life coach. I pro I don't know if I would have done it had it not been for the pandemic. So before the pandemic, for example, I would fly every month. I would go and give a lecture. I would go travel as part of my academic career. So I was always bustling around doing things. And I, I think at the expense of checking in with how I was doing and during the pandemic, all the travel stopped. And now I had all this free time to be alone with my thoughts. <laughs> And that's what I was like, I need help. I need help right away. And it was just such a natural, seamless transition from, wow, this changed my life immediately. I want to be this person for somebody else. Christina, when you say that um, you took a couple of sessions with a life coach, it looks like, um, and you noticed immediate results to the extent you're comfortable with, uh, are you able to share with, with me and listeners like what, what, what were you actually feeling that required you to seek um, a life coach? Because I'm presuming that the life coach is not a psychotherapist. I may be wrong. I don't know that, but that's a different than psychologist or a psychotherapist. No. Yes. Right. So this is a great point for your listeners too to clarify. So 
I therapy different than coaching. Coaching is something that we do. It's a tool that we use to feel better. Now we don't, we take someone who's already thriving, who's already functioning, doing well, and we help them figure out what's going on in their mind, what thoughts they're thinking that's creating this experience for themselves and how to create a different, if they want a different experience, how to create that for themselves. In contrast, a therapist, my therapist loves talking about my childhood and my mother, which is a very interesting time of my life. But in a life coach, we never go back that far. We're always dealing with who are you today? What do you want to accomplish today? How can I help you get there? There's no, I, I would like to just say there's no, no modality that's better or worse than the other. They're all amazing. So for your listeners, whatever you're doing, if you're seeing a psychiatrist, a therapist and a life coach, amazing, do whatever it takes to feel good in your life. So before you called the life coach, and as you were looking for a life coach, what, what were the issues that were bothering you, I guess, and how did you make a determination that you needed a life coach and how did you find somebody? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. And the, and the threads that brought me to a life coach, I find are very common in medicine. So the first one was that I, I was a failure. I left my first job. I thought I would be there forever. I thought I must've failed that this job didn't work out forever. And that was a very painful thought for me. And I left, I remember like one of the reasons I left is my boss, my job will never value me here enough. They'll never appreciate me. They'll never take care of me. And that was very painful. So I could write seven books. Nothing's going to change. I could write 200 papers, nothing. I kept thinking, and that was my thought error. The more I sacrifice for my job, the more my job will eventually value me. And that was a cycle that set me up for intense burnout because the more I did, the more I sacrificed, the more it came at the expense of my own health, the more I expected my job to value me. And of course that never happens. Very interesting. So, so then with, when the pandemic hit, the sense of failure that you had was magnified, I presume. I just, I, I was really attached to this thought something went wrong and it was all my fault. And if I could have only worked harder, then they would have taken better care of me. Right. And that was the dangerous thought to have. And I think a lot of us have that because we work very hard. We care very deeply. We are very, uh, we we're used to putting out outstanding caliber work. And, and so I think when we encounter a situation where maybe the schedule doesn't seem objectively fair, or some people are getting promoted ahead of other people, it's easy to make it mean, well, then I must've done something wrong. I must not be as valuable as I thought I was. They must not care about me. So how did you find a life coach? Like you just Google, you ask your friends, like it's, you know, I mean, how do you find the right person because i think some level of chemistry need to be present in order for you to get along yes absolutely just like not every doctor is for every patient like not every therapist will work for every client there is a bit of finding someone who you have that connection with who who you feel like gets you who understands you and you like their approach because 
I, I think while the life coach school, that's where I train puts out thousands of coaches. I don't know the number. We all interpret the tools differently. And so not every coach is the same. So how I found someone and what I recommend for people who are looking, even if it's not for me is, is definitely word of mouth. Like go to someone who you trust, who has a life coach, because no, if, if someone else has worked with them and they vetted with them and it's, and it's been a great experience, it might be a great experience for you too. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the first line word of mouth, but many physicians don't know anyone who has a life coach <laughs> and many people, physicians who have a life coach aren't out there on Twitter being like, I have this amazing life coach. I think there's still a certain amount of shame around healthcare workers needing mental health support. So it's not, it might be hard if, if you're in that position where you don't have a friend who has one, what I recommend people go do is I, I go to a school that they trust. So I, I recommend the life coach school and they have a link, find a coach and you can kind of get paired up with someone who has similar demographics that you're interested in. Like maybe you want to be coached by a male doctor, for example, maybe you want to be coached by a master level coach. It'll help filter into someone, you know, how do you know if what you need is a life coach or, psych- or a psychologist though, or a psychiatrist? Like how, do, how do we know? Yeah, I love that question. So my answer would be, I truly believe this. I think every human needs one life coach at least. I think all of us, and that's because nothing wrong with us, but our human brain is designed to kind of go on self-attack mode when anything goes wrong. And so having someone outside of you say, Hey, listen, that's a thought error. That thought you have, you failed because you left your first job, have someone else point that out can be so instructive to our healing. Now, um, in the terms of the question, when do you need a therapist, a psychiatrist or a life coach? My personal recommendation, have all three, if you have the access to it and you feel like all three of those are important, there are some criteria. Like if you are not thriving, if you're having trouble functioning in your job, you're having trouble getting out of bed, you can't sleep well. I think the priority there is to go to a trained mental health professional, like a psychiatrist or a therapist. If you have suicidal ideations, if you're thinking about suicide, definitely you're looking more at emergency type high level resources, like a psychiatrist or a therapist. Take us through the first time you met your life coach. I presume it was Zoom because it was in the pandemic. Take me maybe through how you were feeling. Were you apprehensive? Um, okay, so how, was, how, was your, your yeah, how was your first? How was your first meeting? This is going to blow your mind. So I left my first job, tra- moved across the country. So this involved getting my two little kids who were heading to high school. It's a very vulnerable time pulling them out of the only school they knew. My husband had a very high level academic job, pulling him out. We all moved across the country for a life coach. I never met in person. Wait, 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 hold hold on, hold on. So, so when did you leave your other job? 2019. So 2019, you left your job, you and your family to Denver Mm -hmm. uh, because of the life coach. No, I loved my first job because I just, I felt like there was no, there was no more ceiling to it. Right. So you left Denver and then you literally, by the time you settled probably in Denver, the pandemic hit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then you found the life coach, but how was like your first meeting when you first zoomed in together, or you, maybe you met before zoom, you met in person before zoom. It's no, everything's been on zoom or podcast. So it's interesting. My first experience with a, 
a life coach was listening to the Brooke Steele life coach school podcast. And I probably listened to that for two or three years before I left my first job. Now in my mind, I was like, this is not, she's not coaching me. She's not, I'm not her client because I'm not meeting her, but the work I did just by listening to her re changed my brain in a way that let me see, I needed to leave this job and it helped me move. Once I got to Denver, I thought I need more intense help than just listen. I need more intense help. <laughs> I didn't have a therapist anymore. And that's when I enrolled as a client. So I just wanted to just point out to your listeners, you can have massive changes in your life with ever meeting someone in person. And an, another thread for this, for our scientists who are listening, a JAMA article just came out May 6th from work done at the University of Colorado, showing that female residents who are involved in life coaching can ha have a significantly increased, decreased burnout. Some of those residents never actually met with a coach. They were just watching recordings on their home. TV and they still had the statistically significant decrease in burnout. The why I'm emphasizing that is the power of coaching is you may never meet a life coach. It still may change your life. Got it. So you met, but you met that life coach uh, from what, what's the name of the school? The life coach school. It just called the life coach school. Mm -hmm. Okay. The is important because there's a life coach. There's a life coach school without the, that's a different school. <laughs> The life coach. So school. this is the life coach school. So you met that person on on Zoom, uh, and I presume these are paid sessions that you have to pay for 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 the session. So clearly you were investing into this because it was very important to you. What do you talk about? Like at least maybe just you know what what did how were the first few few sessions? What was how did the conversation go? Um, did you feel uncomfortable sharing everything? I mean, how how easy for you was to be just like a completely open book? It was extremely uncomfortable because I hadn't gotten these thoughts out of my head. They were just swirling around in my head. The thought, I'm not good enough. I'm too far behind. Everyone else is ahead of me. I'm doing this all wrong. Those were in my head, but I'd never verbalized it to somebody else. And the act of showing someone I never met before, like my ugliest, you know, in quotes, ugliest, darkest thoughts was very uncomfortable, if not painful. Yeah, I presume, you know, again, uh, the life coach has a way of getting the, putting you at ease and, and getting you to, uh, to, uh, to, to feel better. But you said well, you felt better right away. You assume that, so the, what that is, is assuming that the pain is not good. And that the pain has to be fixed by saying they know how to get you to feel better. The pain is actually okay. I mean, for me, like I needed that to come up so that I could, the pain really was a, mo a sort of like a catalyst. It helped me find these painful thoughts and really figure out what was going on in my head. And from that place, then I could cure it at that level. I could start dismantling these painful thoughts. Yeah. Like, What if I didn't fail? This job was complete. I did everything I could. I didn't do anything wrong. The job didn't do anything wrong. It was just complete and over. And now we're on to another chapter, for example. Very interesting. And you felt better right away. You just told me like, you know, within a yeah. couple of sessions, you actually did. One session, I was starting to feel better. Yes. Yeah. Like you were That's starting to sleep better. You were just yeah. like, what symptoms did you feel improved? Yeah. So I was almost not sleeping at all at that point. I was just, these thoughts kept charging through my brain all the time. So I wasn't able to sleep well. 
I was eating more than I wanted to, because I was so stressed out and food felt good temporarily. I was, I think not as deeply connected to my family as I wanted to be, because I was just, I had so much pain and pressure. So I started the very first session with my life coach. I started feeling better because I started realizing, okay, everything my brain is putting out is not true. And I thought everything my brain is putting out is hundred percent true. I thought it was all facts. So my life coach just helped me pick apart. Like, what if none of that is true? And so, yeah, so what I noticed, I started feeling better first. And then I started sleeping better a couple of weeks. I lost weight. I got better connected with my husband and my kids. All that happened over a couple of months. And how often, uh, like how often do you, like, is it, was it once a week usually when you meet the life coach? So most life coaches are once a week and I, and, and so with my clients, I, it's usually once a week. I actually now, so I've been through master. I'm now a master coach. I actually now see, a, I have four times a week. I go for coaching. Hmm. You go for coaching because I love it because I feel so much better because it helps me clean out my brain. Now I'm an extreme example. Most people will not only see a life coach. If they're seeing a life coach, it's once a week, but for yeah. me, I love yeah. it. And it's like 15, 20 minutes a session. So it's not a lot, but it's just enough to get in, clean out my brain, figure out what's going on and Got it. move on. Mm-hmm. So you were going on your way. You're, you're, you're meeting with the life coach. You're certainly feeling better. There was some positive change in your life. Then what made you decide you want to you wanna go to school yourself? And how did you choose the school? And take me through the, the process, I guess. That, I mean, anybody could go to school. Um, uh, how many months or what like, the course looks like to, to okay. get certified like you are? Yeah, so I, I loved being a client. But I was like, what is this mystic work they're doing on me? They're doing something to me. Every time I go, I feel amazing. But what are they actually doing to my brain? I wanted to figure it out. And as, as physicians and scientists, we, we're, we want to know like what's behind that curtain. What is the formula? What's the process? So that's what got me into life coach schools. Like I, if I'm the only person I ever work with in my entire life, I want to be, have a life coach available 24 hours a day for myself. I want to be that person for me. I want to figure out what is this magical process that's really probably just a few tricks or tools. I want to learn those. Okay. So how did you find out uh, the school and what is the process to get into that school and how long does the course get to become certified? Yeah. So this is the next step. Once I decided I want to become one, then the question is where, because there are hundreds of schools, if not more. And there are all kinds of the organizing bodies. It's not a regulated industry. So people aren't licensed. And so, and as opposed to looking for a reputable medical school where you can look at, you know, whatever ranking you want to look at, you can kind of get geared towards the best schools. There's not, there's nothing like that for life coaching school. So I looked around and now academics loves, I think it's IFC international federation accreditation academic people tend to recommend ifc for whatever reason it's just kind of the so they're more comfortable with that most organizations or academic organizations are and i tried them i tried some other schools for me personally it wasn't i didn't experience 
results. It wasn't an enjoyable process for me. And so I thought I'm not going to spend a lot of money and time on something unless I know it can get results. And I know that it's something I'm going to love doing. So I turned down the, so I, I kept coming back to the only life coach life coaches I had worked with at this point were from the life coach school. So I decided that was the school I was going to partner with. Okay. So that is the, that is the life coach school because you said there are different and and these are courses like you basically there's a curriculum and courses that you take and i mean was it how intense was it because you were still obviously you're working as a pathologist uh and you had to fit that in how how were you able to do that and i i'm going to answer that and i almost want to point out that the jama paper that just came out was from life coach school trained life coaches. So I think that's just phenomenal that you have a life coaching schools, putting out JAMA lever papers, like the highest level papers. So exciting. And just to show that the science of these tools works. Okay. So one question was who can go? Anybody can go anyone who financially can, I think it's, can you pay the price tag? And the price tag is $21,000 right now. And it's the same price tag, no matter who you are, it's the same price tag for rich people, for people who are in college or medical school, it's the same price tag for everybody. Um, intensity, it depends. It's sort of what you make of it. My, my process was a year, it was 12 months. So six months of, of learning from a book, workbooks, meeting once a week with my small group, having, I was tested to take written tests, oral tests. My coaching was monitored. So it was a pretty like high intense level process. They monitored my skills all along the way. Um, how I did it. I just scheduled it in the off hours. So I did it in the evenings for me. I, I did I think there are people who did a lot more who would put like 10, 15 hours a week into it. I didn't, I did about an hour a week. That was, that was my level of, I just thought that was enough time for me to get everything I needed to get done, done. So you're, you're able to, you're able to do one hour a week and graduate in 12 months. Mm-hmm. Okay. And is there an exam to graduate or just filling? Yeah, there's several exams. So, um, one hour a week, one hour a week of formal, like reading the book they gave, there was probably, I, I preferred to spend the time coaching. So probably 10 hours a week, I was actually coaching clients and you're you're allowed to coach clients before you graduate. Yes, you have to actually, you have to coach clients because they want to make sure you know how to coach. Okay. I had this, I, I didn't, yeah. Uh, so, okay. So you don't, you, you, it's part of the curriculum that you would coach folks, but I mean, you still haven't finished. So you, you haven't really acquired all of the required, uh, yeah. I guess. Yeah. So here's the thing. You don't have to know everything to transform someone's life. You need to know one thing more than they do. And so even at the beginning, when I was starting my coaching journey, becoming a certified coach, I had clients. I didn't know everything I know now today as a master level coach, but I knew one thing more than them. And that one thing was enough to help them get results. And how, how, how did the clients find you? Because just through the school, the same, like through the website, you can probably for me, most people found me through my podcast. Tell us about your podcast. Your Path and Focus is my podcast, and 
that's how most people find me. They get to know my voice, my, my style, my it's take, it's gone through a journey. So what you listen, I, so I always tell people, listen from the end first, (laughs) (laughs) because the first few episodes, I didn't have a fancy mic and it was just, it was finding my voice. So now today what my podcast is, it's really more of, I integrate, I teach my audience coaching tools. The idea is I want there to be no excuse for anyone not to have health help getting, feeling better. So it's totally free. I teach them the same things I teach my client, my paying clients, but it's balanced with sort of your, I'm reading my diary. I call it, I'm reading George's journal. I, I teach the tools by sharing a story about my life or something that happened to me. And you've been doing this podcast just since starting, starting coaching school. Uh, so it's a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so you're going around, um, you're, you're, you're going through the curriculum, you are coaching few clients and, um, and then you finished the, the school. It took you 12 months. Mm-hmm. Then what happened? I mean, you, then you, I mean, did you start thinking, I want to do this full time. I want to resign eventually from my pathology. Like what, what happened? Because this is, I mean, we can all agree nobody goes to medical school to become a life coach. So this must That's have been a hard long way around, isn't it? Right, right. <laughs> it's very expensive and long way. So so, oh, so this so must funny. be like tell me how, you know, I mean, this is probably I think the boldest move I have seen, honestly, in a long time. Thank you for saying that. That's so it's so it really strikes me. Um that's yeah, in my mind, it felt so natural. It felt like this made so much sense. So I love that you said that you view this as bold. And I can see that too. I can see that looking that way. Um, yeah. So I think it all happened kind of naturally. So at first it was like, I really need help. Let me go find myself a life coach. And I was like, this is amazing. Let me become a life coach. And then as I become a life coach and my my clients, I started seeing them go through the same thing, coming in burnout and pain and becoming just transforming their lives into the, into the dream lives. And it was like, okay, this is not just me. I'm not a unicorn. This hat just works for people. And it, it was such a profound, like, oh, I just want to spend the rest of my life helping people feel like they're living their most extraordinary version of their life. Like that work started to feel like, this is what I was meant to do. This is where the mean, like it just felt so purposeful and aligned with my values that then I started. And then that's when I, the transition became to let's move into full-time coaching. It wasn't easy though. Yeah. So I want to, I want to get through that, but are your clients mainly uh, physicians, healthcare professionals? Most of them are. Very few, if any, are pathologists. Most of them are frontline physicians. Okay. Uh, so frontline means... Um, Family practice. Right. Okay. Internal medicine. So, so how, like, so, so when, when did you, may, when did you decide for sure? Okay, I'm done. I'm definitely going to do this full time. I'm going to be leaving practice. Yeah, I think so. What happened for me is a bit of a math problem. I only have so many hours in my day, like all of us, we all do. And I just started looking at the balance sheet of if I'm in full time 
in medical practice, I only have so many, like so many hours, maybe five, maybe 10 hours a week max to coach. And I love coaching, but you can also burn out on coaching. You can burn out on anything. And I saw my, I saw myself setting myself in the same pattern of working a full week at work and then coaching in the evenings and weekends and having no free time. And I saw myself heading down the same burnout pathway. And that's when I realized, all right, I don't want to be burnt out in coaching. Like I was in medicine. So if I want to coach certain amount of hours, that's going to have to come from somewhere else besides my sleep and my time with my family. And so that's when I started brainstorming. Okay. What might that look like? And Um, I think another key factor that came in is that, and this will be different at everyone's university, but at my center, if you are over 50% full-time employee over, over 0.5 FTE, you can't have a business unlimited. It has to be, it's very restrictive, but if I drop down to part-time, then I can do anything I want with my time. And I can have a business as big or small as I want to without checking in with them and having them issue the agreements and contracts. And so for a variety of those reasons, it just seemed to make more sense to start phasing out medicine. Now I'm not entirely leaving medicine. I am a part going to be stay in the pathology department part-time and part and my, my role will also include coaching my department. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. So as part of the deal, you would uh, coach faculty in a department? Right. So my university is amazing. They have, so I think it's an epicenter of coaching and medicine is, is at my university. So that JAMA paper came from the university, Lottie Derby, who was the first author on the first JAMA paper on coaching, improving the distress of physicians. She's now at my university. So there's a lot going on in the university of Colorado that I'm very, very, very proud of. And part of my official role at FTE, part of it will be coaching my university as well as I'll do a sometime in the GI pathology department. Is this a temporary arrangement or you're thinking of leaving the GI pathology completely? Yeah. So I, this is interesting because I haven't had this exact conversation with my leadership. Oh, they're going to listen to the podcast, I hope. But they'll can find out on the podcast. (laughs) But yeah, no, I think it's temporary. And I, I, I don't, I don't think that's anything that will be surprised anyone. I think it's temporary. Um, because there are even going part-time, there are still restrictions. It's still a limited capacity. And I completely honor the rules of my university for sure. But I, I think it, this is a part-time in for a variety of reasons. One, I do want to see what I can create at my university because it is so amazing. And this is such a wonderful place to make coaching mainstream and academics. It will be such a missed opportunity to just leave right away. So I think there is an incredible coming of resources, people, and talents at my university. So I do want to see what that looks like. I want to be a part of that change. I think also, um, Mentally, I, I don't want this to be anything rushed. I want to make this a very deliberate, thoughtful process. And so for me, full-time to part-time to leaving medicine entirely is what my journey looks like. And I, when that time happens, I will know it's not right now, but I think it is, if I were to guess in the next three to five years. You know, I think I think leaving uh, medicine, which for the most part, we can all agree, it's generally a lucrative career uh, compared to the average American. I mean, that's, you know, we're fortunate like that, no matter how much stress there is on, on salaries and so on. Did you feel that um, 
the financial trade-off is justified. And I, I presume that um, you're okay because I, I don't know if your husband in the medical profession as well or not, but take me through, you know, part of this has to make sense also financially. Uh, <laughs> you know, you have children and, and, and other things. How, how much does this play a factor in, in making a decision of shifting careers? Yeah, I think this is a really important question. And it this is what helped me as I realized, I think the point where I, I felt like this is a clearly easy decision is when I realized it was costing me money to stay in medicine full time. It was costing me money? Costing me money. So we have this thought, doctor's highest salary, hate earners in the country. And we probably are among the highest, but there's a limit to that. And, it's, and whether you're in private or in academics, there's a ceiling on your earning potential. And it will be varied from person to profession to institution. Right. Of course. There's not a ceiling in coaching. Okay. So the opportunity of, of, uh, of uh, making more money in coaching is, is more. And I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, how, how much does um, a client, is, is the, is it, does it range? I mean, is it $50 an hour, $300 an hour, $500? Like how, is it an hour, 15 minutes? Like how, I mean, is this completely variable? Like you get to set whatever you want. Is it regulated? Tell us yeah, a little so, bit about that. Sure. So it's not regulated. And every and the decisions of what the cost will be will be up to the person who's putting the offer together, and it'll be up to the client. Like if a client wants to says that's too high, they won't pay. They won't pay it, and they'll go find someone else. So I think you can find for whatever budget, even if your budget is zero, you can find a life coach who wants to help you, who will help you transform your life. Okay. But what's the, what's the range uh, of how much is like, just like, what's the median, I guess, of what people pay? Yeah. So it really varies. But if I were to, if I were just like pulling up, like what I think the average physician coach. So if you're looking for a coach who is a physician, who trains other physicians, I think what I've seen out there is somewhere between three and $5,000 for two to three months. And usually, so it's a duration unlimited, or is it like there are several number of hours? Like this is yeah. five thousand, and you get twenty hours. Is it like that, or? Yeah. So most people won't sell it by the hour. They'll probably say this is a three month package, and in this we'll meet twelve times. But you can also call me on Voxer, or email me, and we I can do written coaching. So that will be very different based on what you're looking for. I and what I think most people are looking for what result do they want at the end and what's that value to them. And that's a very private decision that each client will come to a different number for a very personalized decision, but there are someone for everyone. Do you ever meet somebody and you say, uh, it's just not going to work. I mean, and I like, remember we said sometimes yes. not every patient and physician may have yeah. the, the right thing. Do you, do you usually have an introductory call with somebody just to, you know, this is like a free consultation, whatever it is, like a one hour thing, we're going to meet, we're going to chat in general, I'm going to make sure I'm the right person for you. And uh, do you ever come out of this and you say, I think you should find somebody else? Yeah, so that is, I think, 
all coaches, most coaches will have a free discovery call. So that's where you can just sample them out. You can see what it's like working with them. What's their personality. Is it a good fit from both sides, from the coach's side and from the client side. And, and I recommend you doing that and seeing that, you know, this is a partnership. You're going to be sharing your heart. You want to make sure the person you're listening to is someone who you can vibe with and who can help you get results. They can help you. If they can help you get a result in a 30 minute, let's say consult, they're probably going to help you get results in a partnership. Same true. If you get no results from working with them, that might not be a very fruitful partnership. So I think definitely look for that. Have this, this point to check them out. I, I do. I offer that for my folks as well. Um, have there been someone who I've said, it's not a good fit. There's been one or two people who I've said that when it just wasn't it didn't seem like it was just a great connection. I've, I've coached over 2,200 hours. One or two people weren't a great fit. The vast majority are, I think, you know, so who's not a good fit. Some, I mean, coaching is hard work. So my, my understanding of coaching and this, your listeners might relate to me this. I thought coaching is like, I'm going to go to someone and they're going to tell me I'm amazing. And it's going to be awesome. <laughs> that's not what it's like, because if we went to someone who was like, you're amazing. And by the way, you're in pain, then we just keep staying in pain and feel a little good for a few minutes, but we keep being in pain. What the coaching does is we're like, let's look at that pain. Let's figure out what those thoughts are. Let's rework them. So you feel empowered by your own life, but to get to that stage, you have to be willing to look at some of that pain and not everybody is, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with them. It was just, if, if this is, if coaching is not coaching is not for everyone, not everyone wants it or benefits from it. And I recognize that in those two people, there just wasn't the right time. So what is, what is next for, for, I mean, well, number one is how do you, how do you market your yourself? I mean, how do you like, you know, I mean, how uh, obviously I knew about this, frankly, from Twitter, from your tweet and a lot of Twitter amazing. Yeah. But a lot of people are not on Twitter, as you know, many people are not on Twitter, but I think it came to me. I'm thinking, well, so how are you going to market yourself? Do you develop business plan? Do you hire somebody? Uh, How much of this is this is clearly not going to be a hobby for you. This is, you're going to put in time and effort Mm -hmm. to hopefully have a thriving business at the end of the day. So how do you go around that? I love that question. So what I think is so interesting about academics and coaching is they're very much alike in that let me give this to your listeners, like academics, we're writing papers, we're out there giving pod, we're out there giving lectures, we're traveling, we're championing medicine, we're sharing the latest techniques, we're writing books. There's a lot of education at that level, education of other physicians, for example, coaching is very similar. So I'm also writing papers, giving lectures, like here on your podcast, this is a sharing moment where I get to say hi to your listeners. I give grand rounds on coaching. I write on coaching. I social media tweets a lot about a lot of my social media activities about coaching. So there's a a lot of similarities there. I also have uh, Facebook ads that help grow my audience. And then a lot of growth also comes from the clients I have recommending. They have amazing results. They share it with their friends and then there's growth in that direction too. So it really parallels academics. So if I'm having conversation with you, Christina, in a year from now, 
you will no longer be at the University of Colorado, I'm assuming. And you're going to be a full-time life coach. Maybe not here, maybe a year and a half. <laughs> I'm not going to... I'm not going to obviously pin a particular time frame, but I guess I'm just thinking like a longer term, you are going to be a physician who is a life coach. You're going to identify as such, as opposed to identifying as a GI pathologist, I presume. Yes. I already identify in my mind, June 1st, I'm a full-time professional coach. When I look at like the hours, the part medicine, part-time full-time coaches, June 1st, when will I phase out medicine? I'm not sure I'm leaving the door open. You know, this new transitional state to my career where I'm coaching at the university is a very interesting one. Most of my, or many of my clients are academic folks. And so being at an academic hub and helping grow something from the ground up at this time in medicine, where coaching is making such inroads that could, that could be long-term we'll see. I'm, I, I think it'll at least be a, a year or two. We'll see. Yeah. Well, you got me intrigued. I want to, I am, I need to look into this. I need to look into, um, a life coach. Uh, there are many schools like this. You, you recommend a life coach uh, school. There are, are there different schools with different prices, but they have to be, they all has to, they all have to be IFC, what you're saying, right? I think academics prefers IFC traditionally. Now that the JAMA article came out with a life coach school, I think there's a different like vibe coming. I also did some free training. The uh, AMA has free training and coaching. If you want to become a coach at your university, they have, I think it's a day or two day, tra- one day training. So they'll teach you some skills. So there's so many, there's so many different places you can pursue coaching. I think if you're the only person you wind up coaching, it's enough to go figure that out for yourself, for your family, for your life. Not all of us will actually become coaches of paying clients, but we're humans in the world. There's so many opportunities to coach and improve the lives of not just ourselves, but our patients, our colleagues and our coworkers. So my last uh, question to you, and you've been very generous with your time, is, uh, I mean, based on what you've observed in school and in training and so on, if you focus on the physician amongst your clients, what do you say the common theme? What do you say the top five things that you actually observe are problems or issues that are burdensome to physicians And can you give us maybe a couple of pointers that people who are listening to this show could actually do to hopefully mitigate some of this, these, these uncomfortable feelings? Okay. Oh, so good. I love it. So I, my, I'm a burnout coach. Most of the people who come to me are coming to me because they feel burnout, devalued, unimportant in the medical. So you're super busy because we all feel that. Yes, yes, yes. So that piece is that piece, I think if you have those symptoms, which most of us do, or many of us do according to latest survey, I think it's like 30% of physicians are feeling one, at least one symptom of burnout. So many of us have, I, so that's a common one. Another one is I'm not, I can't do anything right. I can't work. And I can't, I'm not good enough. No one appreciates me. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I'm farther behind than I should be. Those are the most common, I think, pain points people bring into coaching. 
in terms of tools, what can I offer today? So you can start just kind of thinking about things. I'll give you the ones that blew my mind. And the first one is you do not have to believe everything your brain offers you. Your brain's going to offer you horrible things. Like you're not good enough. And why do I know that? Because every human brain offers that. So I like to just kind of start with it's normal when your brain set offers these things and you don't have to believe them. And I think through coaching, you get that separation out of, right. This is what my brain offers. And this is what I know to be true and being able to distinguish them from a very compassionate, loving space. Instead of when something goes, when something happens, it's a knee jerk response being, something has gone wrong and it's all my fault. It's this knee jerk reaction. This is not happening to me. This is happening for me. Let me figure this out. I don't have to believe everything my brain is offering. I'm going to choose to believe what I'd like to believe in this situation so that I feel better, do better and create an experience that feels better. That's amazing. But I want to finish by um, giving you just an open forum to say whatever you want. And, uh, Anything I may have missed asking you that you think is important, relevant. Um, I'm learning about this topic as I talk to you. You're you're amazing. You're you're uh, you're. Uh, I, I still think it's um, it says a lot about you to be brave and to do something out of the box for uh, the majority of physicians. We can agree that 99% of physicians will be uncomfortable doing that because you know you're trained to be. Uh, a doctor. So tell us anything open forum. Well, first I have to say this was such an amazing experience for me. Your questions are so deep and they're so like at the core of everything. So this was a really wonderful experience for me. So thank you for having me on. And I guess like to your point of, I'm I'm really going to be thinking about this the next few days, like this being a brave decision for me, it really felt like I mean, it is brave. It is brave for sure. But it felt to me like it all led to this point. So maybe I didn't go take out $250,000 in med school loans to do this, maybe not, but I felt like it was all leading to this point. And I do think my, my skills as a physician, a hundred percent serve me because who I help are other physicians. And I think it's so much more powerful to have a coach who knows what it's like to be burned out in medicine during the pandemic to just who understands you without having to explain it. So for that reason alone, just so that my clients feel seen, heard and held, I would do it all over again, just this exact way to get to this exact point. That's amazing. Christina, uh, look, congratulations, uh, on your success on everything that you are doing. It's uh, it's a pleasure to get to know you and I will be, uh, watching your continued success with admiration. And um, thank you so much for being uh, honest, open, and for visiting with us on Healthcare Unfiltered. Thank you, Shani. Appreciate it. Okay, folks, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. Thank you to Dr. Christina Arnold for being my amazing guest on Healthcare Unfiltered. And thank you all for tuning in and for continuing to support this podcast day in and day out. It means a lot to me. If you have time, subscribe to the show and write a brief review. By doing so, you are going to make the show easily searchable and 
more people are going to find it. But the best way is the word of mouth by letting others know about this podcast and you actually enjoy it. You can watch these episodes on YouTube and you can visit my website at www.shadinabhan.com. Don't forget to let me know how I'm doing by direct messaging me on Twitter at shadinabhan or on Instagram, shadi underscore healthcare unfiltered. Before I let you go, I would like to leave you with a saying by Socrates. I am the wisest man alive, for I know one thing, and that is that I know nothing. Until next time, take care.